This season, we're proud to partner with Wave. Do you know 7 out of 10 creators don't have enough money set aside for a financial crisis? It's super important to have the right tools and insights to stay in control. And let's be honest, most of us did not become money managers. So let the experts do the work. Wave is affordable, one-stop money management for creators. It streamlines invoicing, payments, payroll, all in one place, keeping you in complete control. Plus, Wave is offering a free personal 20-minute session with one of their bookkeeping coaches when you create a free account. A normally $99 cost, Wave wants to make expert advice accessible for creators and take the fear and intimidation out of bookkeeping taxes. Spots are limited, so don't wait. Visit waveapps.com slash nofluke to claim your free coaching session. That's W-A-V-E-A-P-P-S dot com slash N-O-F-L-U-K-E. That's waveapps.com slash nofluke. Welcome to It's No Fluke, your weekly podcast about the untold stories and uncharted waters in culture and creativity. With two guests this week, we don't have a lot of time, so we'll get straight to a story. But first, Rachel Romero is the Senior Vice President of Marketing at Critical Role, the wildly popular D&D-inspired web series, and board member of the Critical Role Foundation. Rachel's worked in online media for almost two decades with a special focus on fostering community. Previously, Rachel was the VP of Marketing for Legendary Digital Networks, Home of Nerdist, Geek and Sundry, Amy Poehler Smart Girls, and LDN subscription platform Alpha. Allison Moore is a media and tech industry veteran who is bridging the worlds of content, storytelling, and fundraising to drive social change. She's the CEO of Comic Relief US, a nonprofit that uses the power of entertainment to break the cycles of intergenerational poverty. Together, they've partnered multiple times for multiple Shorty Award nominations, millions of dollars in donations, one win, and two hours with Stephen Colbert that almost never happened. And that's exactly where we start with Rachel telling us a very relatable story to anyone in the industry about how everything comes together and almost nothing goes as planned. In 2019, we were approached by our friends at Tiltify, which is a online interface that helps streamers, uh, people that are streaming on mostly Twitch, I believe, uh, to easily donate and to uh, also to easily create fundraising campaigns through the content on their channel. And so we were approached by uh, the CEO of Tiltify, a gentleman named Michael. Hi, Michael. Um, mm-hmm. And he wanted to know if we were interested in running a charity campaign for Red Nose Day, where, uh, you know, our, our GM, Matthew Mercer, who is an accomplished voice actor, award-winning voice actor, and also one of the founders of our company, our chief creative officer, just this wonderful beam of a human being. Uh, and he was asking if we'd be interested in running a game and having Matt run a game. And so that kind of snowballed into, well, what does that look like? Who would we want to play with? Like, you know, how much time do we have? And we ended up with actually being able to cross Stephen Colbert off of our bucket list. And so, you know, when we first started Critical Role, we all kind of had dreams of where we could go with everything. And I think one of our guiding stars has really been what those dreams are and how we can achieve them. And of course, a lot of them are, you know, very interested or focused on business, but there's these bucket list items. Like we want to sit down and roll some dice with Stephen Colbert, right? Like that's, that's on the bucket list. Like Matt was very clear that that was something that he was interested in doing. And I thought, man, I have this in. Now, I think with Stephen Colbert, we can cross that off for everybody. And it was just, I think for us, such a special situation because we were able to do something that was our dream, like a silly dream. Like, you know, you know, like really, I think our big dreams are like longevity and legacy and all of these things that you hope that you can do as creators. But then there's like the fun ones like that. And so it felt really good to be able to cross that off of the bucket list. And I think what made that even more powerful is it was for good. It wasn't for you know, us as a business critical role, it really was for a great cause and to help children that are, you know, facing some really, really tough and uh, overwhelming circumstances. So a campaign came together from our friends at Tiltify was to create a uh, voting function. And so that started shaping into, okay, well, maybe people can vote with their money around exactly what this adventure will be like. And that ended up just, I mean, creating such a fun situation for Matt to be able to play in and kind of create the world for Steven. 
So fast forward, we, there's like no time. There's like no turnaround time. We're in production. Everything is crazy. We only have a couple of hours of Steven's time and we want to make sure that we're using that in the best possible way. And uh, it was myself and another person from Red Nose Day that were really kind of coordinating everything. And it's shoot day. We're really excited. We sent like two or three of our production team members, Matt and Marisha, go all the way over to New York. We're based in LA, like different time zone. We're all nervous. The other thing I should probably mention is this is like, you know, kind of the beginning of our independence as a company too. And so nope. we're still trying to find our ceilings in a lot of ways, right? And we're like, we have this big opportunity, like, we cannot mess this up. Like it is Stephen Colbert. We are like in the studio, like this is crazy. And so I get a call at six o'clock LA time, the morning that we're supposed to shoot. And it's my contact at Red Nose Day. And she's like, so Stephen's sick today. And my heart just falls in my stomach because we only have two days to get this done. It's like if Steven still is not feeling well the next day, we've already taken money from these polls to shape the adventure. And I just have no idea what we might do if we're not able to shoot with him. I mean, it's just this terrifying thought. It's like we have a very wonderful and passionate audience that has donated to this wonderful cause. It's one of our first really, really big campaigns as an independent business too. Like terrifying, terrifying. And so our production team and Matt and Marisha ended up going out. I think they shot in Central Park and creating this really wonderful intro that you can still see on YouTube in the, the fundraising video that we did create. Uh, because we didn't really have anything to do that day. <laughs> and it ended up being so cool and awesome. And the next day, luckily, Stephen was, felt better and we were able to shoot. But there's so many interesting things about that video, right? So one of the, the magical things about playing these types of games, at least for us, is being able to sit uh, around a table with your friends and tell stories, right? And because yeah. we had limited time, just really trying to make some cool magic happen, in that first video, it's just matt and steven and it's kind of this one-on-one -on -one experience in my experience i'd never seen a game uh mm -hmm. dungeons and dragons played like that um just kind of this one player and gm thing and matt and steven created an amazing story it was so fun and i think even if you go back and watch that video there's just this joy that you can see radiating out, radiating out of steven and radiating out of matthew and it's just like you can just feel how special that moment was for both of them. And uh, I hope that that translated into the audience. I mean, it just feels like such a special and cool moment, uh, which really could have been like, no production, no Steven. I'm, you know, coming up with messaging to try to appease an audience that's really excited. I mean, and they know that this is a dream come true for us too. And so it just, I, I can't even believe how well that campaign went off, how awesome the content was. But I think what, what that really marked was this relationship uh, with Red Nose Day where, you know, we're in the trenches together. Like I know that mm -hmm. they're, uh, they will always give us the, the space to do what we want to do and let us tap into our audience in a way that feels authentic to us so that we are able to really make an impact, I think, across the board. Um, and so that was kind of like the, the kick of this very panicked moment was like the kickoff of this relationship now that we've been fostering, I mean, through a pandemic consistently over you know the past five years and i'm proud to say that red nose day is actually one of our partner charities so even when we're not actively raising money as part of red nose day we're still kind of feeding into um you know the red nose day machine on a on a, a quarterly basis which i think is just wonderful and see i it's want amazing. to start with that yeah <laughs> i i want to start with that story for a couple reasons one, I mean, the podcast is It's No Fluke. And I think so often we talk about, because that's a Shorty Award-winning campaign. And you've been multiple nominees, winner. And and I think everybody loves to talk about, hey, why was the thing successful? But so many times the behind the scenes seems so messy, so incomplete, so haphazard, right? There are no perfect situations, right? It's how you adapt. It's how you pivot. It's how you make things work, right? You talk about that video in such a part. Like, you talk about all those things that can be done, right to kind of adapt to things and i'm just like that's the thing we could prepare in creative we could prepare as long as we possibly could and there will still be some kind of variable that comes in so i think that's a super powerful example but also kind of does like do the intro for me which is great i love having and that it's work done for incredibly me incredibly successful i mean it, they have raised yeah. and everything not only just that story with colbert but also as she was saying the critical role monthly giving and then like corporate donations they raised almost 1.4 million dollars for red nose day 
in aggregate of all the kind of work that this organization has done through this partnership. And I think that that idea of, you know, starting with a seed and then growing to more and more and more things by collaboration, not just like here, we want to do some good. Here's some money. <laughs> I'll take a check by anybody. Comic relief. US.org. <laughs> it's all good. But I, with the magic comes in, in, in really working on something that felt really authentic to the audience, you know, and then we've just continued to build on that. In addition to critical roles, sort of like commitment to, you know, supporting nonprofits and through their monthly giving program. And the, I, I mean, I just, it, it, it's part of their ecosystem, you know, and they've allowed us to be in there to kind of partner with, and then that's, it's just, that's how that worked. And that makes the, not only the campaign eligible, obviously, for a Shorty Award, and it was great and won and all that kind of stuff. But the relationship itself is an example of how these kind of things have to come together. And it, and it, it's no fluke. Okay, now that was, I just used that. But, <laughs> but Thank you. It, it is. Keep the, putting the branding yeah, out there. Yeah, exactly. But I, I think it's, that magic happens. And man, it, it's great. And we all feel good. And I mean, my whole team's like huge Rachel fans. And I mean, it's, it, it, you know, I am now that I'll be sitting on this call. But it also, man, it's a $1.4 million that are, is going to work, going to work you know, for kids. You know, and that's and it's so important. And Allison, it kind of gives me a good follow-up for you because it's it's about, I mean, yes, I mean, candidly, you'll take donations wherever they come from. Absolutely. <laughs> the, door, the door is always open 24-7-365. But yep. <laughs> I think the best kind of partnerships are the ones that develop over time where you understand each other, you understand each other's goals. Can you kind of talk to me a little bit about whether it's the corporate partners you work with or the content partners you work with, kind of identifying how to create those best relationships? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things about Comic Relief that... Uh, I, I, you know, I've had many years in the in a sort of commercial sector before joining a, a nonprofit, and you know, one of the things that stuck to me is so interesting about Comic Relief, which made it very um, challenging and interesting for me to come here, is that we're a nonprofit that leverages the power of entertainment, engagement, brand, you know, the the kind of mechanics of scale, if you will, because our fundraising is largely the lion's share of it is done through public fundraising. So when we go out and we fundraise, and we're both a fundraiser and a funder, okay? So oh. just that construct, the way we fundraise, we need to partner with organizations that have deep relationships with their audiences, whether that is a gaming audience, whether that is a retail audience, whether that is a, you know, um, QSR audience or like, you know, signing up for deliveries or whatever that is, a relationship with their audience in which we can take Red Nose Day or Comic Relief and like eventize that in their audience and make it something that feels organic, you know, because that's the way we can start to have a way to communicate, right? So that that idea of collaboration and partnership with a partner is crucial for us because otherwise, you know, you can always put a Red Nose Day logo on a direct mail piece or an email piece and send that to the audience. And that's cool. And that, by the way, we'll do that too. But where it really, where the magic really happens is that there's a moment of communication. There's a moment of engagement. And, you know, look, in, in the case of Critical Role, there is power in gameplay. There's power in gameplay for to bringing together a community. There's power in gameplay to be able to have a platform for communicating, you know, um, in retail. There's power in um, this sort of like moment where there's like eight seconds to sort of deciding I've got mm -hmm. my toilet paper, I'm in line, and all of a sudden I'm there at the register, there's a a donation moment, it comes together. And we work very hard in a collaborative, you know, with NBC, um, how we sort of manage this Red Nose Day countdown in May, and how the entire NBC network, there's little bits and pieces of kind of talking about Red Nose Day, it's just around become, becoming as organic as possible. So that's crucial for our fundraising piece, because it all is so publicly um, focused. And then on the funding folk side, you know, from a brand or content creation perspective, what puts, I think, our partners at ease is that they know that all that public fundraising and they can assure their audience, those dollars are going to places that I are very specific. I have an entire grant making team. We're an investor. We're a funder. So much like a foundation operates, we have a, um, around almost 50 organizations that we support um, around our you know, macro sort of goal of a just world free from poverty, but specifically focusing on intergenerational poverty. And that's 
takes into consideration children, it takes into consideration caregivers, family, and just generations and populations of people who have been marginalized. And what are the right, what are the right programs to support that? We do that work. And we do that work with a lot of specificity and, um, and care. Uh, you know, it's, it, it, we pick each of those programs that we invest in very specifically to ensure that they're kind of moving towards that, that goal. And so that sort of um, excitement and engagement, and then like put your head down on the pillow because you know it's going to the right place and not just thrown over the transom and a check written to some rando organization. I think that balance of detail and care on, on both um, fundraising and funders, uh, that's what makes that magic a little bit special. You know, and together we've raised over, Four hundred million, four hundred million dollars for comic relief uh, since two thousand fifteen. You know, with that kind of process, um, yeah, three hundred eighty million for. Yeah, it's not, it's not, and I think it's you know it's all to do good, and we're looking to raise more. <laughs> to kind of encapsulate that whole thing, there was two things that me I, I was thinking about specifically, and then Rachel, I want to ask you a question about creative process. So don't let me forget that. I might, I really might. I have ADHD, but okay. when I'm listening to that, one of the things I'm thinking about is. You have to, you have to resonate now, especially when you're talking about like point of sale example, right? Because there are so many different point of sale donation examples, even in the short time in which that has been executed well on your end, right? Those examples are further and further. So there has to be a brand recognition and a purpose recognition and a recognition that yes, this is something that I know, understand, and want to make that a second decision. I think that's a very very important and pertinent thing about that. Because if people don't understand the context, if there isn't brand awareness, that becomes a harder decision. And then that also ties again to if people understand what you're doing, they're more likely to be partners. And you've done a very good job of making sure that the kind of like the brand promise and the brand execution is very, you know, very simple and concise. Rachel, on the creative side, um, when you are looking into, so you've been around for over 10 years now, right? Yeah, probably like closer to 20 at this point. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like, I keep forgetting how many years I've been doing what I've been doing. And then I'm like, oh no. But um, from the creative standpoint, there's two, this is a twofold question. One, kind of how that, how it has evolved in content, how, you know, the, the concept and the idea, the audience has come to it. Like, you know, you know that you make good content, you know that, you know, when you get people together, when you collaborate, when you do these kinds of community focused things that people come to it. So the first question is kind of on, you know, how you bring the audience in. But then the second part is, well, how do you enhance that audience, right? How do you find the right partners to elevate, whether that's through purpose or growth? Yeah, so I think for us like authenticity is number one, right? So if we're making content with any new partner, whether, you know, it's for good, whether it's for, you know, like a sponsorship or collaboration, making sure that we are remaining authentic to who we are and who we know our audience to be is like number one, right? And I think that that's actually something for us that's a deal breaker. If we don't have the flexibility to be authentic, probably not the right, you know, kind of partnership for us to even really start off on. Um, And on the creative side, I mean, I got to tell you, I am so blessed to work. I I always say that I work amongst giants when we think about creative. We have, you know, eight eight people that have been in the entertainment industry for, you know, I don't even know how many collective decades at the point, like how many awards and all of these things that they won because they were bringing so much to the table. And they built this entire world, like the world that our founders play in every Thursday night that they played in with Stephen Colbert uh, and that hopefully they'll be playing, playing with some other folks for, you know, our next big red nose day day campaign. They, you know, made that world themselves. Everything about the world was created on the fly in stream. You know, people saw that creation. And when you are creating something with people and you have an audience, like that's the most authentic that you can possibly be, right? Like you are in that moment with your friends and you are telling a story together. And what makes that so interesting to me is it's almost all improv still too, right? And mm-hmm. so you have yeah. this creativity that's sparked by, you know, this kind of in the moment storytelling and, and you have a dice mechanic. And of course, there's a game that's lying under all of it just to keep things a little bit chaotic and interesting. But at the end of the day, like that's exactly what we do. And so, you know, 
I think one of the most impressive things that our team has consistently been able to do is really like tap into our guests. What do they want to explore? What kind of story do they want to tell? Because it's not always just about us. It's also about what Stephen or, you know, anybody else that joins our table. It's also all about them too. And so, you know, I'm constantly uh, impressed by, you know, Matthew, our, our game master and the rest of our cast for really being able to like welcome people in and like bring out the best parts of who they want to be at the table too. I hope that makes sense. It sounds a little bit hippy dippy, but like, it really is like, if you haven't participated in that kind of storytelling, it might not make sense, but if you give it a shot, you might understand that a little bit more. And you can see it, you can see it in that first video with Steven and the way his, his face lights up. I want, and I think all of us want every single interaction that we have when we're welcoming someone into our set or into our house to be that just like joy, that, that freedom, that, um, you know, a, a level of comfort to just go wild a little bit, uh, I think is really powerful. No, I hope I think... answered your question. That was kind of like a lot, but it just, I think that's the only way that I can explain it. It brings me so much joy. Um, well, my question was two it. parts. So <laughs> I gave you the rare two-part question, like very early on. I should have like, yeah. obviously like ease into that, but no, that part is felt because, you know, as a creator myself, one of the things I try and do is I try and make things relaxed, but try and bring out the best in people. And for two reasons, and I think this is similar in your example is yes, you want somebody to have the best experience so that they are highlighted the best, but you also want everybody else who will come after to know that it's a great space where they will get highlighted and they will be taken care of in the correct way. That is the, that's the important part, right? It's both thinking in the here and now and the very real improv part of that. And then the obviously forward thinking part that says, okay, this is how we attract more people to want to do this. But I think the really interesting thing about content and how it's shifting and how it's evolving and whether it's because we have different technology or different things we can do. I mean, role-playing games are not new. It's just how we're presenting that, right? And how mm -hmm. we're engaging with people and how we're getting it out there. So Allison, my question to pivot is, you know, nine years in on this and, you know, obviously the organization's been around even longer, but creativity, content, storytelling evolves, changes. Um, you keep doing a very good job of adapting and finding the right partners. So what do you look at the most, whether it's, I mean, it's not necessarily platform, but it's just means of storytelling. What are you looking for most to kind of try and help elevate your message and who you partner with? I think um, it is that mix of, uh, of platform resonance, the kind of engagement experience that we can build, um, and then making it relevant, right? So I think, I think there's lots of partners that have big, big scale, but the kind of, and, and that would maybe speak to, okay, there's, there's a huge reach here. What's yeah. the platform capability to tell the story? You know, and that varies across all. I think, um, you know, one of the great things about a lot of the partners that we're speaking to today and I'm excited about is that so many partners have multi-platform capabilities, right? Yes. So where you start to think about streaming video, you start to think about live events, you start to think about, um, you know, major databases of email communication, text, you know, all of that piece. And then when you look at the capabilities, that these partners have, I have to have the capabilities on the content creation side, on the, on the, you know, being able to co-partner and, and sort of ride in the conversation at the same time to like co-create something together. And we'll be responsible for creating the right kind of materials that accurately describe the story of, of what's, what's at stake here, right? What are the kind of programs that we are funding? What are the kinds of issues that we're trying to solve together in partnership with brand X, right? We will do that because we know how to do that well and to protect the dignity and the sort of integrity of the people that we're talking about and do it in a way that's, you know, um, this is gonna sound odd, but like celebrates the joy of humanity together while we're still recognizing that there, there's work to do. You know, there's a way to, there's a way to talk about things that concern people's lives in one way, and then there's a way not to. And we obviously do it in the way that we, that's the right way to do that. So we bring that to bear in addition to like marketing expertise to collaborate with the partner. So when you start to think about that and then platforms and the sky's the limit, 
you know, what's the kind of content that we can create to sort of really spark? And, you know, we all know right now that, you know, consumers, audiences, donors, name the end first, end state person. It's the world is fractured. You know, these things are like making our minds, you know, total mush. And so in order for an organization like us, it desperately needs to break through and make that connection with somebody to say, you know, here's what's happening. Let us frame this for you. Come get engaged and then drive an action, an action that involves for them to donate. Um, we've got to make sure that content is resonating by whatever medium it is, you know, and I think that's why it's, it's interesting for us being, you know, because we leverage the power of entertainment engagement and all those things, we really, we have an expertise on our team that that's what we think about every day. How are we going to drive engagement? And, um, and, and then content is the, is the, is the source, you know, our founder is Richard Curtis. He is, you know, Mm -hmm. writer, director, a creative, his whole, I mean, I, I love the when I talk about his journey because it really does, it goes back to this power of creativity. You know, he was a writer, director, all the things. He's a national treasure in the UK, particularly. Love actually Virginia Jones Shire. I mean, there's just a ton of things that he, Mr. Bean. Um, so he gets in a, ends up on a trip to Ethiopia in Africa in the late 80s, changes his life. And, you know, he spoke, speaks about it much more eloquently, obviously it was his experience than I do. But when he comes back to the UK and he's like, what, what can I do? I'm almost with frustration and, and you know, probably yeah. some level of despair. Like this is happening. What can I, what can I do? Um, he comes up with something like pretty ridiculous called the red nose <laughs> that just who, who else would come up with that except for a creative mind. Right. That would say this thing is going to be the vessel through which I'm going to communicate to throng mass people that it's we have to get involved, do something that nose says do something. I mean, I wouldn't have come up with that. I would have come up with some sort of like 20 page PowerPoint. Well, that wasn't happening back then in the 80s. But, you know, I mean, I'm a yeah. I'm a business person, you know, and so that and that that immediate spark to that, like, man, that changed. They've raised up one and a half billion. We've we've collectively raised one and a half billion dollars to do good in the world with comic relief us and uk because of the sort of like inkling that a creative person had to sort of get involved there's i mean i want to let that story just sit for a second but also back to a little bit of earlier in the answer right part of it right is also the expertise that you bring in curation right yep. it is an understanding that you probably have you know, with the experience of doing this over time, have the experience to kind of guide creators to totally. what will what will work the best. So you are a great partner in that. You're both trying to identify the creators that will do the most good, but also, you know, taking people with good audiences and kind of guiding yeah. them. Because of the other, one of the other things I thought about kind of in just in, in, in influencer management, a lot of things is... To, to give a good example is sometimes people are known for one kind of content. If you shift their content too far into one direction, yep. if it gets into causality or other things, yep. it becomes harder. It becomes more difficult for that content to resonate. Not always. And it's not a one-to-one. It's pretty much on an individual basis. But I know that if I want to say something intelligent on the internet or talk about the singularity or talk about something, you know, like, incredibly powerful, I will get X amount. And if I post a squirrel eating a donut, I will get 10 times more engagement. Now I hate that about myself, but also know that about myself. So then I always have to remember, I'm like, well, if I want to actually be effective and drive donations, then I would have to make sure it involves a squirrel and a donut. But these are the things that you just kind of understand about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Rachel, when you're, when you were adding a donation and you talked a little bit at the beginning about it, the stress that comes when you, when you do that pre, um, yeah. but <laughs> right. So, but when you're adding a, you know, when you're adding charitable elements to content, um, you know, and when you're first doing that, how are you thinking about how that will engage with the audience? I think first and foremost, you know, there's a bunch of different ways to do fundraising campaigns. And I think even with my time at Critical Role and also as a board member for Critical Role Foundation, I've tried a a bunch of different things. And I think for us, it really comes down to uh, making sure that there's something that we're doing, right? Like, and let me see if I can reframe that in a a little bit better of a way. But like, I feel like if we're asking our audience to donate, uh, whether that is 
their time and they're watching a video, whether donating for them means I'm sharing a social post online that says to donate, whether that means they're donating funds, whatever, whatever donate means in that context. And I've always, and we've always believed that a share is just as important as a dollar for us too, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think for us, it's making sure that it's really clear that like we put in the work too, right? We're not mm -hmm. just asking for you to do something. Like we are also contributing our work and our dollars or whatever that might be as well. And at least for us, we have, you know, a foundation, which is our nonprofit side of our business and then critical role, which is, you know, our entertainment media part of our business. And those things actually like, there's a lot of donations for time and effort and things like that, that happens from critical role into critical role foundation based on the way that we're doing it now. And so for me, it's always making sure that like, it's that 10%, right? Like if you had yeah. mentioned, you know, there's so much that can take, um, take away people's attention or grab people's attention. And Allison, you mentioned like the phones are mushing our brains. So when you're in an environment <laughs> like that, it's like, how do we create something that maybe feels a little right, bit right. different than a donate right. button? Does it look like it's well-designed? You know, does it look like it's thought out? I will, you know, oftentimes as long as time permits, I will take the effort, the extra time to make sure that I'm really building like a branding package that looks cool or different than what we're doing or might catch someone's eye or, you know, maybe has a little bit more pizzazz in it than, you know, something that we've done in a while because I know how important it is to get that attention. I know how important it is, um, you know, because we are putting all of this effort in to make sure that we're seeing a really great response. And I feel like all of our fundraising campaigns have been met with, you know, such open arms with whether it's sharing or donating or whatever it might be that like it, it's, I, I feel really fortunate because I have a really easy job to some degree. We've built up and our, our founders, our whole company really has built up so much trust within the audience that they trust us that we've done our research and we're working with wonderful, wonderful, uh, you know, partners that believe in the same things that we do. So for us, it's like yeah. the donating is one piece of it. It's like the support, right? It's the brand yeah. that's around it. It's making sure like okay. our, on the critical role foundation side, our, tagline our, our mission statement is that we want to leave the world better than we found it right and that's kind of just what guides us through everything and it, it's easy to have people jump on board with that sentiment um, because like who doesn't want to do that who doesn't want to like you know leave leave the little piece of, of what you have better than better than it was when you found it like who doesn't want to do that so that's a long-winded way of, of of saying that like I think sometimes it's less about just like integrating the donation into what we're doing, but it's more so looking at the whole picture, making sure that the whole enchilada looks delicious and not this little piece of it when we're raising Well, I yeah. like the integrated donation piece because well before TikTok Live, ice cream tastes so good. Like the idea that like, you know, I mean, that is the, the genesis behind TikTok Live right now is just that if you donate something, you know, this, this thing will happen on the screen and it will create an action by, by just shifting that part of it a little bit, right. To make yeah. it less overt, but also more interactive, right. To work with your audience. That and makes more responsive. it more It's more responsive. Right. Like, it's more responsive to the emotion of giving, you know, Sorry, it's more integrated, right. But it, again, yeah. it's more involved, but it's also more on brand for you. Right. That is, I, I think an understated um, part of the creativity of what you're doing is that you recognize that that because the, the, here's an interesting example about that the, the 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 music charts are still heavily weighed on if you buy a download not if you stream but if you buy a download so if you start to look at who tops the charts it's usually who has the most engaged fan bases who are willing to actually pay for and not stream and mm -hmm. so if that's the case, then, and some people will be like, well, why are these songs at the top of the charts? I'm like, well, that's why that's the metric. People know the metric, but again, you know, if you understand how people want to engage, right. Whether that's, you know, by, you know, if you donate, this will happen. Or if you donate your favorite artist will do this. If you understand those mechanisms, then that works a lot better. Um, I want to take a quick break. And then I want to talk a little bit more about impact. If that's cool. When we return, Alice and I talk about how to keep people energized year after year with campaigns. But first, a message from Wave. Money management, like a lot of things in my life, 
currently sits on a notes app as a thing I should be doing, but I'm not currently doing. Managing your money and accessing expert advice shouldn't be hard, and that's why It's No Fluke is proud to partner with Wave. Wave offers an easy-to-use suite of money management tools for creators in one place, streamlining your bookkeeping and saving you major time. Plus, when you create a free Wave account, you'll get a free personal 20-minute session with one of Wave's bookkeeping coaches, normally priced at $99. It's not a sales call. You can ask any questions you have about bookkeeping and get expert advice. The goal is to help you feel confident and in control of your finances. Spots are limited. Don't wait. Visit waveapps.com slash to claim your free coaching session. That's W-A-V-E-A-P-P-S dot com slash N-O-F-L-U-K-E. That's waveapps.com slash Allison, how do you do all of this? And then all the creative stuff, all the partnerships, all the things that go out there, all of the partnerships that, you know, secure the donations, all of that, and keep people on message and keep the message out there front and center without, you know, it's, it's kind of like I, I've used this example before, but with like Terry Crews and Old Spice ads where they did a great job of getting your attention but you actually bought less Old Spice. In your case, you get people to donate, you get people to engage, mm-hmm. you get this to, to build year over year, and they're engaged with the cause. But how do you get people to make sure that they don't lose sight of the cause? Yeah, I think you know part of that is just you know leveraging the power of content in the right medium and the space that we have to tell the stories. You know, so whether we have a few seconds to tell a story in an interstitial on you know social, or whether you know we have um, a long period of time in a, in a sort of live event um, that our, our job is to make sure that we have multiple points of storytelling across the year, you know, so yes. red nose day, um, you know, not unlike what you might think about in terms of a messaging strategy, sort of a tentpole strategy where we have peaks at which with times, which we kind of like crescendo and like in a donation environment, you want to have a sense of urgency, you know, gameplay is perfect for this because there's a sort of, idea of like working to the end of the game, or there's there's something that's happening that kind of has to be boxed in. I think every person would say, I, I of course want to give to something, right? But yes. having that sense of urgency kind of just drives, you know, numbers, frankly, uh, and, and, and awareness. So, but our job is to figure out those points throughout the year that we can amplify that. And we amplify that through partners. And then once we have that kind of partner and we're in, collaboration together and, you know, to Rachel's point, thinking about the things that feel authentically part of that partner's wheelhouse. How do we, how do we bring, whether it is again, you know, a 30 second spot, a two minute piece, a, you know, 10 minute panel, (laughs) whatever it is that we Mm -hmm. bring together, how do we best communicate? And, you know, I think, look, we're talking about, and, and how do you do that in a way that doesn't, I think you starting to go here um doesn't pull too far away from the brand's reason to be talking to their audience you know and that's that's tricky right because what you you can't you can't do an entire white paper on the the um theory of change for intergenerational poverty in a 30 second spot that's meant to be an engaging Mm -hmm. you know gameplay moment right so we we take we know what we need to communicate and how we need to communicate. And then we kind of morph that, you know, it's, um, and at the end of the day, we hope, what we hope is that an audience that's, that's listening to us and engaging with us, maybe, you know, maybe they're playing a role with critical, I mean, they're playing a game with critical role and they're watching Dungeons and Dragons, they're interfacing there, they're doing something, they're buying, um, you know, or just recently did a partnership, doing a partnership with 1-800-Flowers. They're, they're participating mm-hmm. in the platform they are for Red Nose Day with one eight hundred flowers. They're watching somebody something on NBC. Like all these different pieces, we're able to communicate our work in a way that's germane to the partners' environment. And you know, at the end of the day, as long as we have people understanding that breaking cycles of intergenerational poverty are key, that understanding that children and their families are you know need help and support along you know for for us, it's investments in health, education, um, safety. You know housing and support uh, and even empowerment where we're looking at next gen young people who need the right kind of support getting into the next phase of their lives. You know, as long as we can articulate those stories in a way that, um, you know, meets the brand's sort of platform and then resonates with them, that's a win. 
Well, you because you draw people in, you keep them engaged, and then you keep talking to them, right? Once you have people in with the brand, then you're talking about the growth funder. You're talking about being a funder. Yep. You're talking about how that's working, right? To keep people engaged, kind of that that's the interesting cycle is that you might come in with entertainment or you might come in with point of sale, but eventually you're understanding where things are going, why they're going there, what they're going to, and then you come well, back that's to why the entertainment. Email, yes. For sure. And that's why, like, the, you know, we don't always get an exchange of email data from the partner relationship. I mean, that's, you know, kind of yeah. variable depending on the partner. But so much of when we have these tentpole moments of a big crescendo Red Nose Day, April, May, right? And by the way, you can donate to Red Nose Day, like, May, June, July, August, I mean, all year round. But when we have those mm -hmm. moments and people come to the website and they donate and then we're able to capture information and then start to a start a relationship, a communication relationship. And in those moments, that's when we are able to talk and tell you more about the stories and get you further engaged. Because we now have a little bit of a dialogue with somebody that's raised their hand and said that they're, I'm interested in more of this, right? I'm interested in more of that engagement. I think to your point, um, what we've done in the last three years is really expand. So like I said, so much of our fundraising is through public you know, donations through brand partnerships as we're talking about here. But we have a whole other side of our organization that works on um, deep partnership with, with foundational partners in the private sector too. And we have, you know, we're doing a gala for the first time this year. I mean, it's, it's going to be super interesting and exciting where Richard's writing the entire show and it's going to have all the delightful kind of fun and quirky stuff that Richard's known for. <laughs> and it's going to be, you know, with a lot, and we have the benefit of a lot of celebrity talent. Um, friends, you know, like Steven, I mean, who just has been tireless in his support of us, uh, you know, Paul Rudd, Jack, uh, Jack Black. There's been a, a number of folks who we're, you know, incredibly grateful for that have come to the table and just said, how can I help? And we're going to bring them to, to, or, you know, we're hoping to bring them uh, to the gala, which I have not <laughs> confirmed yet, um, you know, to make it a moment where we can really tell stories and, you know, I mean, I think in some ways people are like, well, who wants to go to another gala? I'll tell you who wants to go to another gala. People who want to kind of be be in the middle of a live experience that is content and entertainment and engagement and for impact, you know, and that's that's what I hope, that's what we we look to do is that no matter where we are experiencing, whether it's the private sector, the public sector, you know, the innovation and growth fund, we're, we're, we're keeping true to that storytelling narrative and doing it in the way that resonates for that that moment in time. Not to make this an inside gala podcast, because I don't think that actually has enough like uh, audience to make it a full podcast. But <laughs> one of the things you understand with those is you will understand who your most engaged people are. Yeah. Like, it's an incredible yeah. lift. It sounds stressful at the beginning, but once you do it, you, you fully understand, okay, here are our most engaged partners. Here's who wants to work with us the most. And, you know, obviously you keep people engaged with another temple moment. That's why that's why we do them. That's, you know, why they're, they're, they're beneficial. Right. But yes, Look, and we've never done them of... before. I mean, I, I, you know, yeah. we, we also, it's all of that, what you just said, but it's also like you are in community talking about the issues in a different way when you have mm -hmm. an event experience like that. It just, is different. We've had a couple of live events in the last um, year for the, you know, um, we did a partnership with Veronica Beard, which was amazing with a bunch of like, you know, baller women that showed up in like a Soho store downtown and, Spent a lot of money in a small amount of time, which is very impressive, by the way. But anyway, that wasn't the point is that they can't begin to raise dollars. Veronica Beard did this amazing thing where we can uh, raise dollars for uh, Red Nose Day and Comic Relief through that partnership. And what was so interesting to me is how many of those women came up to me in that meeting and said, I want to get involved. I want to help. Because in the other places where maybe they only saw short snippets of what we did, it maybe was enough to draw interest. They got in a minute, they had a conversation with me and my team. They looked at the materials we were talking about, they bought a few things. And then all of a sudden it was like an onrush of people were like, get me in the game. And that was blow away to me because that it really just speaks to this whole idea is that we curated this content experience, right? For an in-store shopping event that was very different than the content that we would have curated for a gaming session or, you know, like yeah. I said, even on a broadcast station. And man, it yields, if you, if you curate it, the content experience to the environment that you're in, this is what everyone in the media knows, it works. <laughs> I'm gonna test my segue skills here and let's see how I do. But when you bring a lot of people into a room to have a really good discussion, good things happen. Rachel, that's exactly what you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
That's a great thing. That's, that's exactly what yeah. you do. Yeah, yes. exactly okay. what I do. All right. So as you're looking toward the future of these kinds of partnerships or other things you're looking to do, you know, how are you looking to kind of keep these conversations evolving, whether that's with new tech, new execution, new conversations, all that, just what does the future look like for Critical Role? Oh, well, just generally, I mean, sky's the limit. We just want to ride this rocket ship until we can't ride it anymore, to be honest with you. Nice. Um, on the Critical Role Foundation side, on the Red Nose Day collaboration side, we're already working on whatever the next Red Nose Day collaboration might be. We got some pretty exciting talent confirmations this morning. We won't be joined by Stephen again, but um, I'm really excited because it sounds like we have a ton of flexibility to maybe shoot here in LA, which means on our really cool interactive set that we're really excited about. So, uh, you know, I think more to come there. I'm really excited for us to continue to support Red Nose Day. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's probably obvious by listening to us, but man, that love affair that we have between our two organizations is real. Some of our absolute favorite partners. Mm -hmm. um, man, and I can't wait to make that 1.4 million that we've raised since we started working together into 2 million and 3 million and 4 million and 5 million, because, you know, at the end of the day, the, the one thing that we can do to ensure that we are leaving the world better than we found it is investing in, you know, our children. Um, and unfortunately, there's too many children across the world, but I mean, here in our backyard in the United States that obviously don't have enough to be, to fulfill their dreams, right? And so, um, you know, it's an, it's an honor for us to be able to do this kind of work with, with companies that are really out there and making sure that the good is being done, the money's being spent in the right way, and that issues like childhood poverty are being tackled in a way that's like 360, right? It's not just one part of the branch. So, um, you know, I, I guess to sum up a very, a very uh, thorough answer. I will say that I just want Red Nose Day to be on the rocket ship with us for however far we can go together. Rachel, Thank I just you. want to say that I appreciate your thorough answers and you never have to apologize for them. This is long form podcasting and I love it. I, I'm, no. I'm about it. I am a rambler. So like, you know, that's marketing people are ramblers sometimes, but we usually have the ability to edit ourselves down when we're not oh, recording podcasts. I am too. And I'm a podcast host. Do you want to you want to talk about how much of a struggle it is on my end? I'm like, oh, there's so many things I could talk about. Oh no, oh I I should only talk like ten percent of this. Like, well, I'm like I, I have to it. become a good listener. Oh no. Part of it when the work that you do, I mean, like I believe this very strongly. I think when the work that you do and the partners that you have are so amazing. Like, I just want to ramble about it. I love talking about it. I love talking about yeah. this kinds of this kind of stuff. And when given the opportunity, like man, it just I hope that. Anyone that's interested in doing this type of work has the ability to partner with someone and create, you know, really meaningful campaigns like this. It's just, it, I feel like, you know, well, we've had a lot of great one in a million type experiences at Critical Role and with the foundation. And, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's easy to blab about. It's easy to be proud about it. It's easy to want to talk about it because I hope that, you know, um, things that we're doing now can set a good blueprint for, you know, other businesses, companies, whatever in the future. Well, that's the power too of creating, you know, and I talk about this again with creators and influencers that the better relationships are the ones that are built over time rather than the ones that are transactional. If this between the two of you is a one-off transactional relationship, it does X. If it continues and it elevates and it builds, it benefits both of you, right? And that's, that's, the, right. that's kind of a, the takeaway I want for everybody is that there's a power in doing the behind the scenes work of, you know, carefully curating these things and letting things build over time, right? Because Rachel, and you did a great job of not spilling the beans about anything, um, which I which I applaud you on. But you think about like all the time and effort it takes to do this kind of content, right? This is months in advance. You are getting things confirmed months in advance. You're still working through those things. And yes, also I am the kind of person who never believes something has happened until it has actually happened, right? Anybody who is booked for the podcast, I will believe it when we are on this riverside and we are actually talking and oh my gosh it's done and we didn't have technical difficulties but right. yes that's the power of having a good building relationship right it, it was the thing i always complained about and now i'm kind of remembering that i'm like i was supposed to be a good listener now i'm rambling but the idea that i would go to a conference in the early days of like creators and influencers and stuff i was doing on youtube and they'd be like oh we're so happy to see you here um here is your koozie or here is your Yeti cooler, um, or here is your coffee mug. We'll see you next year, or maybe, I don't know. And I would always be like, oh, that doesn't really 
like, you know, there's so many other things we could be doing. Let's, let's think creatively on how, you know, these partnerships can be created and, and lasting. And so, I mean, that's, to me, that's the big takeaway is that, yeah. you know, what you've done in a couple of years is amazing. What you'll do in 10. Oh my gosh. You know, that's totally. the cool thing. Absolutely. I think that that's, yeah, me too. Me too. I think it's just, and to be able to continue and have that door open for innovation. I mean, that's, you know, I have a whole uh, group of people on my team that, that that's what we, we are steeped in this space because we, and we're just as excited about our partners and their excitement, what they'd like to try next. And we, we're ready, you know, like that's, that's what kind of keeps that alive. Cause the thing that, uh, that collaboration, what's next, what's a new way to go at it? What's, what's some new ideas. And I think that that, you know, this sector from a nonprofit side requires innovation, right? We, that's our goal is to just kind of push the envelope where we can to kind of reach people. And that, you know, what I said earlier about just people are distracted. People have, are, they're sick of doom scrolling. They're, they're, they just yes. want to find a place that, um, is there a place where you can have, have joy and laughter and engagement and fun and do good at the same time? Yes, that's what we do. And so how can we bring that to the forefront and in, in ways that are innovative and cool and feel unique and, and you know, our partnership with Broga Role is just that I just feel like we have that door to, to, to do that together. And so that will keep the longevity because, you know, and do it all with creativity and heart. Before I close, I usually ask three questions. It's called Keep It Short. It's on brand. But before I do that, uh, shamelessly plug both of the things that you're doing. You go first, Allison. Okay. Uh, so the things that we're doing like right now, or just like, this is the part for me to give the URL. Oh, give or the what URL. What I mean, we... We, by the way, we will put that in the bio and everything else. So, you know, go real deep on the shameless plugs. Okay. All right. So we, I, you know, we have been on this incredible journey and sort of like re rethinking just how we expand everything that is that we do. So we have, you know, been coming up with new ideas for a red nose day. We are doing something, uh, anchoring some stuff around giving Tuesday and holiday. Rachel spoke a little bit about that, but in holiday time, like coming back with red nose day, then thinking about, um, you know, how to activate against comic relief. We brought back comic relief with Stephen Colbert last year, mm -hmm. um, with pickled on CBS. And so we are in conversations right now with some organizations to bring back the comic relief brand, the event brand to where there's comedians and standups sort of like doing some funny things and raising for good. We have our gala December 4th in New York City, um, and that will be a huge fundraising moment for us. And we launched Roblox uh, on Roblox in uh, a couple months ago where we had Kids Relief, which is our new property that just, you know, encourages kids to get involved and through gameplay, do good. And the more game they play, the more good they do. And so we're talking to partners right now and uh, opening up those doors around how we could do another version of that on Roblox to really um, to do some more good around kids relief. So we have a, a ton of stuff going on that would be public facing. And then we also, of course, are talking to folks about investing in our innovation and growth fund. And that's really just a way for us to raise dollars for us to scale our capabilities to do more and also our capabilities to invest in programs that are really moving the needle. And finally, one example of that is our use of Youth Advisory Council. We have a council of young people who are doing what's called participatory grant making with us. So yeah. we fund them and then they fund their communities. So these are people from across the globe, young people from across the globe who have come with lived experience that have now turned around and they want to give back to their communities. And um, it's through something called the Juntanza Fund. And we're raising dollars to kind of invest for those young people to kind of got them around, I think, 50 grand now. I'd love to make that bigger. But that's an example of stuff that we're doing to really move the needle on the work. All right. On the Critical Role Foundation side, we are working on fundraising plans, as mentioned, with Red Nose Day, uh, hopefully at the end of the year, and also some fun stuff, hopefully another campaign uh, for another one of our partners at some point this year, if not early next year. Um, if you'd like to learn more about Critical Role Foundation, you can check out criticalrolefoundation.org. 
Uh, we hand select uh, partner organizations like Red Nose Day. We also have several other organizations um, that we support when we're not actively running a uh, fundraising campaign, all things that are important to us as humans and people and do-gooders in the universe. Um, when we actually don't have a campaign running, we also take a cut out of the top 10% and that goes into an emergency fund so that when things like the you know horrible fires on in Maui happen, we are immediately able to make a donation um, you know, to support that instead of having to kick up awesome. fundraising efforts elsewhere, uh, which we're really excited about. Um, on the critical role side, uh, if you are even remotely interested in long-form narrative story storytelling, please check us out uh, on YouTube. It's youtube.com slash critical role. If short form visual storytelling is more your jam, we do have an animated series called The Legend of Vox, Vox Machina on Prime Video, which is amazing too. But yeah, just, I mean, check us out. We uh, we love to tell stories. We are publishing games now. We have our own record label. Like we really are just kind of this like multi-tentacled beast at critical role that uh, makes a lot of cool stuff. So if you're into cool stuff, check us out. That's going to be our tagline. If you're into cool stuff, check us out. Critical Role. I just like the idea of somebody making a Vista print with multi-tentacled beast on it. So, <laughs> I, it is true. I mean, I, I yeah. got to tell you, I wish I had one here. I When I got our business card designs, it's like one of those things where, I don't know, when you have a little bit of power as a marketer, you're like, what is the one thing that probably doesn't matter as much as I think it was, but I will use my power for good. And it was business cards in our organization. So we have like the fanciest yeah. business cards. And now I think it needs to be uh, pieces of an octopus that you can all put together to maybe that... form one with tentacles. I have an idea. <laughs> Thank you for that, Jeff. You're welcome. You've just um, shaped our corporate branding for the next two years. I take no credit. It's all <laughs> you. Um, three questions. To keep it short. Rachel, I will ask you the first question. Um, moment you knew you made the most impact. I think, I mean, gosh, when we were actually doing the accounting, when we submitted, I think for this last round of Shorty Awards, and the number at that point was 1.2 million that we had raised, uh, you know, I think since the beginning of our, our relationship with Red Nose Day. And like, to understand that that's, a, I mean, it's a significant piece of our fundraising, but like, it's a piece of the fundraising that we've done as a whole. And that's just like, how all of the other work that all of the other work that I think that I do, it matters and it's important and I find great fulfillment in it. But when like that just it doesn't feel real. There's like a piece of that that like it's so impactful that like I don't know that like I really actualize it and like how many kids that's helped, quite frankly, and how those resources have the power and ability to completely change their trajectories and their families' trajectories. And you know, Allison was talking a lot about uh, generational poverty and like it's just it's it's when I start thinking about that like it, I almost go into like cold sweat panic mode because it's like it's just the idea that we as human beings can be responsible for something like that blows my mind question two Allison yeah. what drew you to the organization in the first place you know I I had an opportunity to talk to Richard um and yeah. you know I, at first when I got the call for this job I was sort of just because of my background had been in media and entertainment and digital and all the things. And um, so I, I don't know, I, I'm not, am I qualified for this? <laughs> you know, in that yeah. way, um, what can I bring? How can I make sure it's materially, I'm able to drive impact and speaking to Richard and like I mentioned earlier, like his, you know, he is a creative and created all of this. And then I started to think about like how uh, all the things that we would do to drive those funds. I mean, I, I live and breathe every day about more fundraising, more fundraising, more fundraising. Like I just, I, that's, and how can we do that? And how can we do that in new ways? And then when I thought about all the stuff that I had done before and it felt applicable here, like mm -hmm. creating these sort of campaigns and I was, you know, very involved in digital all of my career and like, you know, utilizing digital to, you know, expand and, and engage. I mean, that's, I just felt like, and then with the understanding that running a grant making team you really needed to be able to center on the work in a very deliberate way and support, you know, we're, we're doing so many innovative things in the nonprofit sector too, like pushing the envelope with trust-based philanthropy and thinking about, you know, we've increased the amount of investment to BIPOC and community-led organizations in the last three years from 6% to 42%. That's been a deliberate 
move on our part to really be leaders in the space on our grant making, just as I, we seek to be leaders in the fundraising side, you know? So I, all that combined together was like, I, let's go. And it's, um, it's been, I'm grateful to, to be able to be here and to be leading this organization in concert with everyone that I work with. It's an amazing team. No, it's, it's awesome. I love the work you do. Um, question three is for both of you. Uh, either can start. Uh, this is a light amount of peer pressure, but also we really appreciate your recommendations. Who should we interview next? You go first, Allison. Okay, I know. I was just thinking of a couple of people that popped into my head. Um, well, I got to tell you, um, Cheryl Dorsey from Echoing Green. Now, I, I know that you, I, so just, I know you kind of tap into the media and, you know, space specifically. So I've got two answers for you. You've got Cheryl you'd Dorsey be from Echoing Green. You'd be surprised. We are, we are crossing the gamut of, of content. Are you? We are talking, okay. we talk about food. We talk about climate change. We're going everywhere. All right. So I, I urge you to take a look at her. She is an amazing, she is the CEO of Echoing Green. We, we are a funder of their organization, but I have to tell you, she has um, created a space where young people, um, the, the pure manifestation and articulation of young people being empowered by entrepreneurial kinds of building blocks and has just created this incredible organization. And I've, I just, I'm in awe of what she's built. She's had the experience. She came up through building entrepreneurial, you know, businesses herself and as a woman of color and just is, uh, she's a powerhouse. So I think you should absolutely talk to her. I think another person you should speak to is my good friend, Keith Dawkins, who is the CEO of the Harlem Globetrotters, who mm. has come in and has revived that brand to a whole nother level. And he is, we've done a little bit of, did a little activation with him uh, for Red Nose Day, just a small one, hoping to do more. Keith, if you hear this, I'll be emailing you about this. But he's like, he's in it and he is a genuine, like, former Nickelodeon executive came in and it, he's just bringing all that heart and creativity and energy to Harlem Globetrotters, not to mention the talent that they have. I would talk to him. I'd have, I'd be happy to come off the bench for the Washington generals too, but Rachel <laughs> to you. Okay. I have two too. So I'm glad that Allison had two because now I don't feel bad about it. Um, this is actually, great. This is abundance. I love it. I have, I have a bunch of them, but if I had to pick two, actually two of our other partner nonprofits uh, in associate or in conjunction with our, our um, group that Red Nose Day is a part of. So one of them is Ajit George. He is the COO of Shanti uh, Batman, which is a, school in India that takes essentially like the lowest socioeconomic uh, class kids and brings them up and through the school where they follow them through their entire education until they're like 25. I think, gosh, it's either Ajit would be able to tell you it's either this year or last year, I think was the first year that they had uh, Ivy League applicants into college, I believe, um, which is just cool. And we're actually amazing. hoping to visit next year. We have a critical role foundation girls dorm over there that we're itching to visit, um, but also a really prominent uh, figure for people of color in our space as creatives, meaning game design and all of the tabletop RPG, uh, you know, kind of things that we are involved in in critical role. He is an amazing uh, force of nature there too, writer, designer, all of these wonderful things. He is absolutely incredible. And then the second is our friend from Outright International. So Maria Sojan is the executive director over there. Um, and they do an incredible amount of work for LGBTQIA plus people across the globe, which I found, I, I, I found out was kind of a hard thing to find. We have a very global yeah. audience. And so, you know, having a UK branch or like Comic Relief does or focusing on global efforts is something that we always try to look at. Uh, as well. And she's absolutely incredible. Some of the stuff that's going on around the world obviously doesn't catch our headlines here in America, but, um, you know, there's a, a lot of help that's needed everywhere for sure. And I think just hearing about some of the global experiences from her uh, has always been absolutely fascinating. And they actually have reps from a bunch of different uh, geolocations that they'll bring together and have summits. So I've actually met a lot of LGBTQ activists from all over the world through our relationship with Outright and like what a wonderful experience. That's, been. that's so awesome. 
I, I just want to tell you, thank you for the recommendations. Thank you for the insights. Thank you for the time. It was a pleasure. Thank, thank you, you so much. Loved it and loved hanging with you, Rachel. So good. Same. And celebrating our partnership together. It just is like all the feels. So thank you. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. Thank you for bringing us together. Today is full of takeaways, whether it's how even the best laid plans require flexibility and improvisation, the best partners are the ones that look to grow with you, the best messages are the ones that resonate and adapt, or that people's strongest motivation to donate can be from humor or even a chance to participate. Thanks to Rachel and Allison for a masterclass on how to build lasting creative partnerships. Follow them both and stay tuned for what they create next. Their links are in the description. It's No Fluke is an original podcast from the Shorty Awards. It's hosted by me, Jeff Barrett, produced by Jumi Soon, cover and episode art by Chelsea Shizano, research and editing by Vanshika Chudravedi. Special thanks to Robbie Sinek. If you like this show, please leave a five-star review, share and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any feedback or guest recommendations, send an email to info at shortywards.com or DM Shorty Awards on Instagram. And take care.